0: And we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer Podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkin, where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. 5678, let's get started.
1: Turn it up, you tune tuning in to Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. we talking, cheer, we're talking like you we know what always always talking. So listen up, you boy about to go all in. 5, 6, seven, eight, we're
0: on, let's begin. This is episode number 49. Not sure if there's going to be a 50. Actually, 50 is one of those milestones that we have to reach. But anyway, thank you. For joining we have another great episode for you guys today today i interview david sims general counsel and vice president of development at jams cheer and dance so obviously we talk all about jams but also we get to know the man behind the brand and you know me i gotta jam these guys up with some of those hard questions that we all want to know So, if you're new, I really appreciate you checking out the show. Be sure to subscribe if you haven't, and definitely share this with a friend. Also, on all the episodes that don't feature an interview, we have our question of the week. So, we won't have one this week, but if you want to have your question answered on the show, you can DM me all of your questions, Instagram, Facebook. On Instagram, it's at Jason Larkins, or you can send them to... uh, B.more triple underscore. We send them to uh Brittany. But without further ado, my conversation with David Sims. All right, David, thank you for joining us. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We are,
1: you know, on the downhill of the season and things are going great. The pandemic is residing. We're back to in-person live events, live awards. Yeah, hey man, this is this, this is
0: the best we felt in two years. If you ask me, <laughs> for sure, no, for sure, no, for sure, it was great. We had because you guys do um school nationals before you guys do all star nationals. So we had there's a school in town that goes and competes with you guys at you know they're a middle school. And yeah. I was telling our families on one of our Facebook lives like, hey, I don't know what jams is going to be. like I'm not sure if like what they're. I'm sure they'll tell us sooner or later, but they haven't told us anything yet. Until yep. then I'm going to assume it's you know all you know all systems go. And a mom was like no everything was normal it was great it was just like the good old days. So I was like <laughs> awesome can't wait full speed ahead let's go Jams. So yes. but yeah here we are um I can't not wait to talk about everything that you got going on at Jams and just yeah. and then actually get to know you a little bit as a person. So it won't, it won't all be Jams questions. So we're going to get to Absolutely. know you as a little bit as a person and um you know, we'll talk and we'll see where this conversation takes us. So you ready You ready to hop into this? I'm ready to hop into it. I'm ready. Let's go. All right. So you might not know this, but I actually used to work for Jams, like literally like 20 years ago. Used to <laughs> work for Jams. Um, it's back when I'm, it's in the mix. I'm cheering at California All-Stars slash Palomar, right, you know, in San Marcos. And so Jams and, yep. um, you know, those two programs had a nice relationship with each other. And, hey, we need some staff, you know, extra staff to work. An event or to work camps or whatever, and so we were doing that. And he eventually, like tried out um, or applied or whatever we want to call it, right? Uh-huh. Got a position, so I'm working summer camps. And you weren't there, right? Never, I, never I, saw I, you. I was not there at that point. I did not you join weren't.
1: jams officially until like 20, 20, 2005, five two thousand six. There
0: we go. So that, literally right after I left, because that's when I went. Up, so I transferred to uh, Stephen F. Austin. Um, yeah. Cheered there, good time. I come back into the all-star game, right? Start coaching again. And now there's this guy, David. And I'm like, oh, who is this guy? Like, I, I'm thinking, <laughs> I know everyone at Jams, right? I know everyone. Like, who is this guy? So obviously we had to get to know each other over the years. So tell me about your life. Tell me about your life prior to Jams and then kind of why they brought you in. Like, what problems were you, you know, brought in to solve?
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, well, it, it kind of goes back, you know, I was raised in North Carolina, I'm a Southern boy, uh, raised in a small city called Fayetteville, North Carolina. A lot of people know Fort Bragg, and um, you know I went to undergraduate at Wake Forest University. I was a cheerleader there. There we go. And that's kind of how I got involved, in particular in the, just in the sport of cheerleading, but also in the sport of All Star cheerleading. I was uh, at Wake Forest. Uh, on my uh, cheer team was my good friend, Courtney Smith. Um, and Courtney was like, <laughs> Hey, I just kind of started what's called an all-star gym. You know, it's not really big right now, but it's growing and I'm excited. And we just renamed it cheer stream and yep. you want to come be my first assistant coach. So that's, that's kind of what happened. That's how I got into yeah. all-star cheerleading on the ground level at cheer stream. um, when we had literally like five panels on a spring floor yep. that were turned the wrong way to make the lines. Um, and, you know, we slowly grew from there and, you know, I loved being involved a part of all-star cheerleading, a part of collegiate cheerleading at Wake Forest. And then uh, um, as we kind of got to the end um, of that road, uh, you know, Courtney was, you know, Courtney's a brilliant person. I, I don't think a lot of people understand how actually intelligent she is. I mean, you know, she had a mm-hmm. 4.0 and headed to med school at, you know, um, as she was graduating Wake Forest. And, you know, I remember sitting down with her and she's having a talk and she's like, I think I want to make this, you know, a career. And I was just like, no way. Like, no yeah, way! no way. I mean, you're going to be a doctor. Go be a doctor. <laughs> But I was supportive. I was like, hey, make it happen. I think at that time, for me, I was also kind of like, I wanted to take my cheerleading career to the next level at a higher level than what I was getting at Wake Forest. And so, you know, um, at that point, I said, hey, I'm going to move to Raleigh. I'm going to go to NC State and grad school there, and I'm going to cheer at NC State. And so that's where... I ended up, I left Cheer Extreme, went to uh, uh, to grad school at NC State. I cheered at NC mm-hmm. State. We, you know, had a great time. It was during that time where NC State was making that move from UCA, you know, one of the only teams that had been to UCA since the first UCA Nationals, and we were making that move to NCAA College Nationals, which at the time they were still two separate companies. <laughs> um and then uh we won college nationals we beat louisville um i won't talk about some people we know that we did beat at that time but a lot of people we know i did beat (laughs) on that louisville team just saying we laid the wolf ball down we brought it back up um there we go uh, kind of of exciting time then and then um after that i you know i moved to new york i started kind of my career um Uh, was doing that for about two years and then started law school and I was still involved in cheerleading. I was judging a lot, uh, judged a lot for cheer sport, um, varsity, other brands on the East coast as well, and wanted to stay involved in cheerleading from that aspect, but not from, you know, an event producer or or coach aspect. And um, Mm -hmm. uh, when I moved to California, uh, started law school, I was kind of taking a break from cheer. I was still judging and stuff, but um, I went to um, this competition that they, you know, had me to judge. I think NCA called me up and said, "Do you mind judging this competition?" I said, "Sure." So I went to go judge, and there were people from jams there, and we had a conversation, and they were like, "Hey, come on board. You 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 know this sport well. You know all-star cheerleading well." You know, we want to introduce you and let you understand the youth and recreation market as well. And I knew schools pretty well, and that's how I started at Jams. I mean, I started from, you know, being someone that they had brought in to judge to being someone that was on an advisory role while I was still a litigator for eight years. Yeah. Um, and then in 2013, I think it was, um, I kind of left my litigation career and join Jams full-time. And that's where I've been ever since.
0: There we go. There we go. Yeah, I'd always heard, i always heard, like, David's a lawyer. I'd always hear that, like, David's a lawyer. I'm like, a lawyer? Hey, it's a pretty good job, but hey, if Jams, <laughs> this is what he loves. Get them kids you know the Nationals, people. I love a, a law exactly. career. Exactly.
1: You know what? The thing about it is, you, you have to love what you do. And I, yeah. you know, I, I've had two passions in my life. Cheerleading. And my other passion has been the law. And, you know, I think yep. jams was a fit for me that allowed me to still be a lawyer, still practice law, um um still do what I love, but also do what I love in the sport of cheerleading. You know what I mean? A you lot of arguing with them coaches. Yep, and argue with the coaches. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know what it's it's I will say my legal career analytical analysis looking at Opposing viewpoints from an objective mm-hmm. point of view has helped me tremendously in the sport. I think tremendously yeah. in the sport in terms of you know the life the lifeblood of our sport is adjudication, the competitions. Mm-hmm. Like without competitions, there can't be a sport. So you know my focus yeah. throughout uh, my time at Jams has also been how can we take our production our our experience to the next level, but also in that how can we take the adjudication of the sport of cheerleading and make it more transparent, make it more understandable, make it as, you know, let's get into the details, let's talk about skills, let's talk about numbers, let's make it from an analytical point of view, not from a just say, well, I like this team better, they should win. No,
0: yeah, we can do better than that. Yeah. And I'm glad that you brought those two things up. So you brought up the production of, of the events, right. And then you bring up like the judging or like scoring and like really talking detail. So I want to hop into those two things. So let's talk about the production of the event. And I will say this, this is the third podcast in a row. I am saying this. Jams hands down has the best award ceremony there is in the game. Shout Thank out you. to you, the crew, and every, it, it's the best one in the game. It is the absolute best one. And I tried to explain this um, to another owner, um, Midwest, right? Yeah. In the Midwest, not at Midwest. Um, uh-huh. And, you know, so what's so, you know, what's so great about James? Oh, the, the best award ceremony. I'm like, they put, I don't know how else to explain it, but they put on a full on concert yeah. before awards start. Like, it's a full on, there's no other word to describe it. Right, they they do a full, you know, the staff comes out. They do a whole, okay, a concert, right? A concert. Backup dancers, like a lead singer,
1: you know, music,
0: you know, there's videos, yeah, confetti, the streamers, the whole thing. People got glow sticks in the crowd, right? And it's just crazy, right? And then after that, you know, got the big comfy couch <laughs> on stage, and the red chair. You know, the, it's, it's yeah, the red chair, man. People come, you know, you run. So if you've never been to the jams, you got to see this, but. You know, everyone's sitting – it's not traditional where everyone's sitting on stage and, you know, and in first place. We have, you know, kids are sitting – everyone's sitting in the in, in the arena, and they call down first place. And then you have to run from, like, the top of the arena. You're running down. It's like, ah, we won! Yeah. And, you know, they, they tunnel for you. So it's super cool. It's super fun for the kids, you know. Um, it's a lot of fun. It really – it's a great – it's a great production. It's a great Thank show. And – I've had to learn over the years um that's not all about there's some things, um, you know, as coach, you go, know, oh, that, that frustrates me about this event. But I I've had to learn, especially as a director, to view the competition through the lens of the athletes and the yeah. parents. And what what's their experience going through with this? And yeah. they absolutely love it. And I'll, and I'll say this, I know this I'm supposed to be interviewing you, but I want to give you your flowers right now. Okay. We a couple years ago. Right, a couple years ago, you know, we didn't come to nationals. Yeah, and I can't remember what year that was, but we we are doing our end of the year. We, you know, we do Facebook lives with our parents and I go, hey, here's what's going on. Here's the landscape of cheerleading, and uh-huh. here's kind of what's going on in the competition schedule. Um, there's another event they're going to be in Vegas the weekend after jams. Yeah, and they have paid bids to Summit, so yeah. we can go to jams. I know we love jams. Or we can try out this other event that's gonna be in Vegas and they have paid bids. You know, let me know what you guys want. Yeah. So we're on this Facebook Live and the and the chat feature just blows up. They're throwing money emojis and, you know, get the get the money, you right? Go for those it, bids. Get the money. Right? And I'm like, all right, guys, let's go. Let's if that's what you guys want to do, let's go do it. It a good event. And I really like Encore. I think Encore has some really unique features oh, yeah. um, that I really like about the um event they they actually have a pretty cool award ceremony too uh or they give out some i like the awards that they give out they do creative yeah. choreography and all these different things i really like um and they do a cool way about doing it anyway it's not about encore but i remember kind of halfway through like on day two like kind of looking at our parents and being like i feel like they wish they were at jams right now <laughs> or that we would have went to jams like last weekend right and we did really well i'm sure that we Either swept or maybe, like, maybe one team why We did really well, won a bunch of those awards. It was a good time. Oh, yeah. But I just remember thinking, I think our parents would have rather been at jams. So the next year or that year, when I do our end of the year wrap up, uh-huh. hey guys, you know, we're what we think about with competitions, blah, blah, blah. Everyone's like, we, we want to go back to jams. We miss jams. We miss jams. And, and I think that speaks volumes to the event that you guys have that. A competitor can be literally the weekend after mm-hmm. offer paid bids to the summit. Yeah. Um, especially us being a, a program that does go to the summit, mm-hmm. and and the family still go. We want to go to jams yeah. regardless of paid bids. We want to go to jams because the experience is so good. So, again, shout out to you and just everyone there who who really do. And we had a conversation about this at nationals. Like you want to give it, you want to make the production a good experience for yeah. the families and the kids and the coaches and just everyone. Oh yeah. Um, well, I think involved, I really think that's what
1: we've kind of lost. And that's what jams has always proud. Mm-hmm. It proud you know, prided itself cell phone. You know, I, I, I say all the time at jams, we're about the kids, not about the bids, you know, that's our focus mm-hmm. and being about the kids and not the bids is, Focusing on your event, your experience that you're having in this moment, not about what you're going to win to another moment, but about being Mm -hmm. in the moment and the experience at your event. And how can I make that special? I think, you know, there was a time in our industry, you know, very few short years ago that, you know, I think the focus of the owners of our industry and the coaches Became about the bids, and it did. It did. The Mm -hmm. parents were focused on the bids, the you know, and I think what ended up happening was inadvertently, our coaches and some of our owners were refocusing some of our event producers away from the experience, but on the Mm -hmm. bids. So they took the money, the pot of money, and they said well, let's cut down on the experience and let's give them what they really want because they want bids. Like they're focused on the bids. Yeah. You know, I remember during that time where how many coaches I talked to um, and when they asked about jams, they they didn't focus on the experience. They didn't ask about the experience. Their first question was, well, how many bids are to give? You know, and Mm -hmm. I think we've kind of refocused back. I think the pandemic and a lot of the virtual competitions made us realize that the experience of a true leading competition is vitally important to these athletes, to the parents, mm-hmm. and it's just not the experience of the athletes. It's you got to you got to make it a whole picture, the totality
0: mm-hmm.
1: of your competition. So you have to focus on the experience that the athletes are having, the experience that the coaches are having but also the experience that the parents are having, you know, you know, Jeff, our MC for our nationals and our events, he's the best in the industry. I mean, he, he knows how to weave that, you know, delicate balance between moving the competition on, but also interacting with parents, interacting with the fans and the athletes and the coaches, same thing with our staff, our staff, we focus them on, Hey, your focus to make sure that athlete has a great experience, interact with them, talk to them, talk to the coaches. We, at Jams, we are a family. You know, we are truly a family. You know, we act like a family. You know, I'm sure like all families, you know, you have arguments, <laughs> you have heated discussions, but in the end, you know, we are all are focused on the common goal of how can we create a top-notch experience for these coaches and owners and athletes and that's what we're going to keep doing i mean that's what we're going to double down on and hang our hat on and and if you want an experience unlike any other then come to jams come to vegas you know i you know um uh that will be um i think we at jams have, have a renewed focus on what we can do what our vegas event can be um but we we are also focused on, we want to create this experience, but we don't particularly want to grow the experience. I don't want to be NCA mm-hmm. nationals. I don't want to be cheer sport nationals. I don't want to be Jam Fest yeah. nationals, but I want to have a great event where we focus on one floor, one moment, one focus, one amazing experience. Like that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's the heart of jams. That's what we learn is, that 10,000 seat arena, that stage, that floor, that's what we want to represent jams. And you know, you you've been around long enough to, you know, see the transition from, you know, us using ballrooms, us, you know, you know, mm-hmm. all of that that we went through. And in the end we landed on, hey, this arena where a level 1 team, a level 2 team, a prep team a novice team gets to perform on this stage, this is what these yep. athletes need. This is going to keep them in the sport. This is going to keep them excited about the sport. So that's where we are at.
0: All right. So you mentioned this, which I want to uh, I want to touch on now. You know, going from because I remember the bar actually just said that um when we were at Nashville. Like, yeah, I remember they had a ballroom and we used to compete or some teams yeah. and it wasn't for that long, but maybe a couple years you guys did it. But I remember like, yeah, I remember level ones would compete in a ballroom and we had another, another award ceremony over in this area. So tell me about some of the some of the mistakes that you guys have made over. And some of your, maybe tell me some about some of your early mistakes as an event producer, being like, oh, you know, we tried this and some of the things that you've learned in the past. Um
1: so yeah, I think one of the mistakes that we kind of touched on is, you know you know, we wanted to grow. We, we, we had this arena. Um, We, we used to be what, you know, Saturday, Sunday, and, you know, we can only sit, fit so many teams in that arena. Um, Mm -hmm. As we wanted to grow, we said, you know, the hotel has these great ballrooms. Let's use these ballrooms, you know, let's, you know, expand that way. And we did, and, you know, we had mixed results. I think some coaches at the, you know, the mini, the tiny teams, the smaller teams, they actually liked the ballroom. You know, they, they actually, you mm-hmm. know, enjoyed it because it was a less grand, overwhelming experience for those young athletes. Um, but then you had a lot of, obviously, level one teams, these senior level one teams that were just like, I want to be in the arena. Like, that's where I want to be. Mm-hmm. That's where I want to perform. I want to perform in front of 10,000 seats. I want to perform you know, with that stage and those lights. So I think the transition that we made when we split up the D1 and D2 and went and moved the event to President's Day weekend and was able to, um, you know, do our D2 on Friday and Saturday, do our D1 on on Sunday and Monday, and Monday being a holiday for President's Day, allowed us to keep everything in the arena, we added rolling awards. I think one of our mistakes was, you remember, going too late, like having performances mm-hmm. too late, having award ceremonies too late. I mean, I think that was some of the things that we worked and tried to avoid and eliminate um, in subsequent years. I think in the terms of scoring, um, uh, you know, we made some mistakes, I will say there, um, I remember we used to have what the wow points do you remember that mm-hmm. we used to like you you like the judge could give any team a wow point which was a full point because they were wow and i remember coaches <laughs> being like well how the hell could i earn a wow point like like yeah how do you get a wow point how do you you know how do you get this point point? and you, in the end the question was how the hell do you get this wow point? How how do you get yeah. it? You know, and so I think we, you know, we needed to transition from a much more set rubric, but you know, it took us a time to really focus and develop our score review system, you know, that you're really familiar with, where, you yeah. know, we, you know, we follow the, you know, the unified scoring system, the scoring system everybody's using out there. But our interpretation of it um, is always based on a comparative scoring model. And I think Mm -hmm. with the advent of technology, video, cheer replay, um, bringing in the best judges, bringing in the best score review staff allowed us to get better at score review and getting it right. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. um, I some people add, you know, I see a lot of on the social media boards um, people talking about problems and scoring and everything else. Our focus has always been, as you know, if we focus really hard and put in the work as a score review staff, as um, a judging panel to get it right on day one, mm-hmm. then it sets us up for success for day two, because we know if we can get those day one scores, you know, 95, 98% accurate, you know, and allow an open conversation between the coaches and the score review staff and actually stand by our word and say, hey, if that technique score is wrong for a comparative scoring analysis, then we're going to change it. If the difficulty score is Mm -hmm. wrong on day one, we're going to change it and we're going to be transparent about it. And we're going to give yeah. coaches their coaches element evaluation sheet where they're going to see what every judge scored, every team in the division before the coach comes to score review allows the coach to have valid and strong arguments of why they should score higher. I mean, you've, I mean, you've experienced it yourself where, you come in and you've argued a score and maybe I've sat there and said, well, this is my initial analysis of what I think and this is what our score team thinks. And that by the end of the conversation, you brought up new relevant points that I hadn't mm-hmm. thought about and we ended up changing the score. Now, it may only be a tenth of a point or two tenths of a point here or there, but – it matters in the grand scheme of things of are we doing everything we can as possible while maintaining the constructs of the game because the game is limited. You yeah. know, it, it, it has to be an end stop. There has to be a start stop and there has to be an end stop and there has to be finality. So my focus was do get it right on day one so we can set it up to get it right on day two and have a finality, you know, to the end of this and do all we can to get it right. We don't always get it right, but it's working in a consistent and logical way to set us up for success, to get it right.
0: Yeah. And I'll, and I'll say this with the uh, with the scores, because you, you have, you've been known to, hey, we're going to stay up all night, yeah. talk about scores if we have to, to make sure that we get it right. And sometimes things change and sometimes they don't. But I do feel that with your event that coaches feel heard, that they feel like, or at least I have felt heard, that when I go, hey, you know, this, why is this team scoring this and this team scoring this? And you go, you look at it and you go, Jason, you know, again, it's not always, so I don't want everyone to think, you know, every time Jason goes in there, David gives him a point, but it goes, hey, Jason, I think that was a valid point. We're going to go ahead and and it's not just you, but your staff we're going to go ahead. I saw this when, I, when I reviewed the routine and I watched the other teams, the routine, you're, you guys had more difficulty or you guys had more, you know, better technique here. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a 10th year and, yeah. and that, and you know, and like you said, it's a point or it's just a 10th or maybe two tenths or whatever, but it's, it's not about the, the points necessarily, but that coaches have the opportunity and coaches feel heard mm-hmm. when so many times we don't feel heard when we, um, go and talk about, you know, scores with someone and go, hey, like, I kind of feel like this was off. Like, oh, sorry, that's, you yeah, know, that's your score today, you yeah. know? Um, well,
1: I think Jason, and you have every
0: right to, you have every right to, okay. Oh, yeah, well, I, I I
1: think one of the things that, you know, we forgot about that score review moments that we focused on, is that how can we make the score review conversation an educational moment for the coach? Because Mm -hmm. when you're getting in there and you're talking about difficulty and we're unafraid to show you the difficulty of other teams and the videos of other teams that are in your division. And we show it to you. We say, look, look at their numbers. They have 85%. They have 100% of their team doing this, you know, versus this is what you're doing. This is why they're scoring higher. So I think when you're able to have those conversations and when you get down in the details, the coaches start thinking more about the specific details of, the, of their routine regarding difficulty, regarding technique, and regarding technique elements that aren't included on the drivers. You know, we, we always mm-hmm. focus on drivers, drivers, drivers. Drivers are a tool to get us to the most accurate technique score. Um, and that's how we use them. We use them as a tool. We don't use them as a strict, this is a temp, this is a temp, this is attempt. Because in the end, mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. I discover and I would talk to coaches, I said to them, you know, if we were all to look at four routines, I bet we all could ordinarily rank all the skill technical elements and all the difficulty you know, elements um, in the the routine. And we could all say that team was first place on, you know, stunt difficulty. That team was second place on running tumbling difficulty. We could all do that. And most of us could get it right. So Mm -hmm. why can't we do that with our judges? We have to, in my viewpoint, we have to hold judges accountable. And I feel like at Jams, we hold our judges accountable. You know, with our process, we say you need to be having those conversations on the judging panel and in the judging stand. I strongly encourage my judges to debate each other. Debate, get into details. That's how you're going to get to the right score. Because guess what? You, the coach, you're doing that same debate in your head when you're questioning the scores. So if my Mm -hmm. judges can do that on the panel, then they're likely to get to the more accurate result.
0: Yeah. 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 So, all right. So let's stick with scores. Let's sk- okay. stick with scores, David. So, so why um, why the, um, so it's traditional, at least uh, varsity yep. events, which, you know, obviously we know most of the industries, varsity, they do the 25 75 split. Why do you guys choose to do the 35 65 split? Well, because I, I want your day
1: one to mean something. You know, for me, day one, Yeah. you know, almost every competition you go to, you know, nationals, end of season, whatever, it's a two-day event. And I don't want the day one to be an afterthought. I want it to have some value, but I want the, the mm-hmm. higher of the value to be the day two. Because my viewpoint is if I can make day one worth 35%, you know, a significant value, what that ends up doing is, you know, allowing you the coach to say, hey, if I can hit two days, if I can do my best for two days, day one and day two, really the focus of day two, my hope is let's hit everything. Let's go out with more energy. Let's clean up and look at the comments from the judges. I tell coaches all the time, the biggest compliment you can do for a judge on day two is to actually take their advice, take what they're saying and Mm -hmm. actually do it on day two. Because when you do that, you're saying to the judges, I heard you, just like you're hearing the judges, you're hearing the score review staff, they want to be recognized as I heard you, I made those changes, now, give me a higher score because that's what you're doing. Yeah. Right. So, I, I think that has been for sure. Um, um, kind of our uh, viewpoint on scoring and the way we can make scoring more accurate. Um, like I said, I believe in comparative scoring, I think comparative scoring is how we have. It's how we have scored in cheerleading from the very beginning of time. It's literally, Mm -hmm. think about all of the successful, you know, um, um, gyms out there. American, you know what I mean? Um, Yourself, um, you know, across the country, if we're looking at, you know, um, cheer athletics, Top Gun, all of those teams. They made their success on comparative scoring. They made their success on, mm-hmm. you know, the backbone of of what have how we have adjudicated cheerleading from the beginning of time. Um, so I don't think we should ever, you know, throw out comparative scoring because you want to be compared directly to your competitors. You know, you want to beat yeah. them. You don't. No, no, no. Coach wants to do and work hard on difficulty of stunts and technique of stunts, but then literally score the same on stunt difficulty and stunt technique against a team that you know had less difficult skill and had less mm-hmm. efficient yeah, and proficient sure. technique. Like, that drives you as a coach insane. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, and, you know, I think – um I had a coach, to, or my old coach. I ran into him at Spirit Sports years ago, and we were talking about whatever. And he's like, "What happened to ever? We care so much about scores now. What happened to winning the competition? Yeah. Like kids just care about." Or and he he said, kid but he probably said coaches, coaches, kids, the industry just cares about their score now, and they don't care about winning the competition." Yeah. And I'm like, "Yeah, you know, we were at, you know we we're NCA last week or whatever it was two weeks ago, and." Someone asked me about, hey, you know, what do you think about the scores, about, you know, how things are going to score, you know, you're nervous about how they're changing things. And I was like, I don't care if we score an 89. As long as we have the highest score in the division, that's only thing I care. If we have the highest score in the division, let's go, exactly. right? Uh, because I compare myself to my competitors and go, oh, they're doing that? Well, well then we either got to tighten up our difficulty or we got to tighten up that execution, mm-hmm. you know, um, to make sure we're a step above, yeah. right? And, you know, sometimes you win with, a, again, sometimes you win with a, a 90 and sometimes you win with a 95, yeah. right? So well, I mean, typically, you know, scores as as at first. Jams
1: Nationals and Jams Events are typically lower than my competitors in the market. I mean, it, but I admittedly say that, yeah. like, because we're using the entire range and because we're using the entire range yeah. of difficulty, the entire range of technique those scores are going to be spread out and they're going to be, tend to be lower. Um, However, you know, I I hear coaches, you know, on the boards and everything and they're complaining, you know, know, how can I score a 94, you know, on this comp? Um, And then the next week I go to another comp and I score 92, okay? That's the question. And really the answer is, did you actually beat like the team you beat, right? Like what placement did you actually score higher in your division and win your division, but are you just complaining about the scores themselves? Like, like, can you actually break down and get into the detail of, Hey, this was my stunt difficulty section. This is what I scored. Now, this is what another team in the division scored for their stunt difficulty, and this is what I did. In the end, if your score for stunt difficulty is higher and you did more difficult skills, that end score doesn't really matter. What really matters is, have I scored higher and based upon my difficulty being so much more difficult than my rival teams, have I scored a significant tenth of a point more than them in in the in the end result of that difficulty score. We have to start looking at scores in a vacuum. Yeah. Stunt difficulty, you know, pyramid difficulty, um, you know, each of those elements in a vacuum, and then looking then at how we do each of those elements and how they're done. Um, you know, a full up to a full up to stretch can be done a lot of different ways. In some ways are more difficult, in some ways are less difficult. The more difficult way done with, you know, depending on how many numbers of of stunts you put up, that should score accordingly. Remember, cheerleading is a team sport.
0: And the crowd crowd goes goes wild. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, cheerleading is a team sport. It's not easy to adjudicate. There's no such thing as easy scoring. Like, uh, you know, there's so many coaches who out there want to make scoring easy. But it's not easy. There's yeah. different different number of athletes on the floor for different teams. Some teams are using front spots. Some teams are not using front spots. Some teams are doing two mans and one man. Some teams are not doing two mans and one man. There's so many things that the judges have to take into consideration that we have to allow the judges to actually do their job, you know? Um, so I think, I think that, yeah. that, that's my, you know, my, 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 difficulties and my issues I have with, you know, trying to create a more transparent, but also a more accurate scoring and adjudication and jury.
0: There we go. We've, we've, I feel like we, we can move on. I know it stresses you out to talk about scores because you got to talk about them all day, all day long. long with crazy coaches coming in there yelling <laughs> all day long, and coaches are never happy to go yeah. back there, right? They're but like, but ah! you know, what, Jason, I so, will say this just really quickly. Move on to
1: um, no, go ahead. I will say this. I have I, I have seen the the way we do score review. I have seen the the transition from you know, coaches going back there angry, upset, duh, 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 duh. and really now I think coaches understand our process better and they understand it's literally a conversation mm-hmm. and we're having this conversation and yeah, I need to put my best foot forward and come prepared as a coach to advocate for my team. You are the person who needs to advocate for your yeah. team. I don't mind that. That's part of the process. That's part of the process that makes it better. I want you to advocate for your team, but I want you to advocate for your team in a persuasive way. Like, I don't want you to say, yeah, Be respectful in a, a persuasive way. That's how we want. That's
0: all we want. Yeah. yeah, I feel it. I feel it. All right. So let's talk about something on a lighter note. What's been some of the most satisfying moments Either you can either name a, a specific moment or just in general some the most satisfying times at jams. Give me some highlights. Oh,
1: satisfying times. I think the first year we split up D one and D two. Um, I think that was satisfying. I think um, a lot of our industry on the West Coast needed it. I think um, as a West Coast, we were behind the game in terms of you know the whole D one D two. I think we fought against it mm-hmm. at the West Coast um, 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 pretty significantly. But I think we kind of adopted it over time. And I think when we were able to split up D1 and D2 and give, you know, a home for all these D2 teams who wanted their own experience at Jams, but also an equally great home for our D1 teams who wanted to be able to compete against each other and go against each other on an equal level you know, equal playing field. Um, I think that was a satisfying moment, you know, for me Um, every year when, you know, we give out a um, kind of a D2 um, uh, 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 industry um, spirit award um, every year to a D2 coach and organization. Mm -hmm. I love giving that out. That's always a highlight. And obviously, like you said, our closing ceremonies, I mean, I, I I want to tell you a brief story about our closing ceremonies because you're going to be a little shocked to know this, but it it was around about 2014 2015 that you know we strongly considered revising our closing ceremonies for the All Star industry, and this was why, because hmm. we actually were getting complaints, you know I you know from some of our customers about closing um, about, you know, the award ceremonies and those kind of things. And we actually had a conversation where we're like, you know, should we change up for closing? Does, does the all-star industry not want, you know, the fun, the excitement of closing, the excitement of the award ceremony? Uh, Of course we decided against it. Um, You know, what we did instead was we did many, we moved over to some rolling award ceremonies in the showroom that still included the fun, the big red chair. And then we still obviously had tons of award ceremonies at the end of the day in the arena. And I think that was a happy medium for a lot of teams and organizations where, Mm -hmm. you know, we no longer had one massive, you know, closing award ceremony that lasted for two hours, but instead we had rolling awards. You you remember, (laughs) you remember it was bad. I mean, you know, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I think I think that was one of those kind of moments that for us was an aha. Was like we can still have this amazing closing awards ceremony and do great awards, but we can do it in a way that really, you know, focuses our customer on um, um, a better experience and experience that you know lasts throughout the day, allows parents to enjoy Vegas allows the athletes to, you know, maybe, you know, have an early award ceremony so they can get out and, you know, go back home, be a part of their scholastic studies. So I think finding that happy medium was a, was an exciting moment for me as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I, ag- I agree with you. I remember like having yeah. tinies there, they're waiting for awards. And then the all hey, right guys awards are started, and we're bring out, <laughs> you know, the special guest singer, right? You're like, dude, we gotta get these times out of here, man. Right. <laughs> so good you. good choice you. right there. All right. So um tell me about the what do you want the story when 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 the history when they write the history of cheerleading, right? And they start with uh Herkimer, <coughs> you know, way back and then he's the first guy to ever be a cheerleader, right? And they and, and they and they tell the story at the end of the end of the cheerleading time. What do you want? the the chapter about jams to say
1: you know i i want the chapter to say jams actually cared about the kids that jams was an organization that focused on the experience that these kids have that jams was focused on bringing the fun back to cheerleading we forgot about the fun man cheerleading competitions used to be fun yeah you know they used to be exciting you know and I think we forgot about that fun, and so I want people to remember jams as, hey, they gave us great shows, they gave us great closing ceremonies, they gave us great singers and dancers and confetti, and really tried to bring back the fun, you know. Um, uh, I I want people to remember our production, you know. I'm I'm very proud of the the way we have changed our production over the years, um, you know. I think you know, the level of production that we produced at this past Jam Nationals, I think it was our best level of production that we've ever done. I would honestly put my production up against any event producer in the country, including you know, you know some large events. I think my arena production um, at Jam's Nationals, you know rivals the arena production at NCA. And I have incredible respect for NCA yeah. and what they've done over the years and Justin and Stephanie. I think they're, you know, brilliant people. And I've wanted to, you know, match that level for a very long time. And I feel like, you know, we're now at a place where, you know, I'm matching or exceeding that level. And I'm proud of it. And I want people to experience a different type of yeah. cheerleading um, production and experience, and that's what I want people to remember Jams about. And the oranges, and the happy hours, and the coaches' massages, and all of those great things. We got to bring back the oranges. oranges. We love the
0: oranges. (laughs) Yeah, man, the oranges. people don't know this. (laughs) I forgot because they weren't weren't there this year. Everybody knows that part of the experience at Jams is. Well, real quick, real quick, because we have. Because we have lots of listeners who are parents who have zero clue what we're talking about, and lots of families or lots of gyms who listen who have no, who, you know might not go to gyms, so they take you through the warm up process, right? And you you get a ballroom and you get to like do mark throughs and stretch in the ballroom, then they take you to a locker room and we kind of just chill and I'll catch them up on anything that we need to do before we actually yeah. take the warm up mats. But in between, like the warm up mats and the locker rooms. Are oranges, like orange slices, like you used to get in Little League. (laughs) And the kids (laughs) eat them things up. They're like, I need more oranges, coach. (laughs) Like, get your butt over here, kid. (laughs) We got warm ups right now. And, you know, on those long days, as a coach, you know, sometimes it's hard to make it up to the coaches, the the staff, you know, the break room or whatever. And I'm like, dude, I need some of them oranges. Yo, fill a cup of oranges for your boy. And I'll be chopping on the oranges, too. So bring back the The oranges. oranges. The oranges will be
1: back. Unfortunately, the Nevada health department would not let us do oranges this past year due to the pandemic. Um, but we plan on bringing our
0: yeah, famous oranges hands.
1: back where they belong. Um, you, Hey, athletes and coaches were not the only people that missed the oranges. Our staff missed the oranges too. Okay. We, <laughs> the oranges were a right. pick me up throughout those long days. Um, um, and you know For what, sure. I, I do want people to remember our staff, you know, I have to say this, you know, and, you know, and so in certain terms, you know, in certain terms, our staff is the best staff in the industry, hands down, they care about these kids, they care about their jobs, they literally work all day at our events. And then at the very end, go on and give, you know, a five minute closing ceremony with full production, full out stunts, full out baskets you know tumbling you know at the end of the day after they've worked a 12-hour day I'm
0: I am amazed by them yeah I I don't know if parents appreciate that or the kids appreciate that because I remember working jams nationals and it's a long it's early early days long nights you're standing on your feet all day you know you're trying to be energetic with with um Athletes and families that walk through, depending on what your job is, you know, but it's long days regardless yeah. of what your job is. And then when I see someone go out there and then they go and throw a double full, I'm like, no, it couldn't be your boy. It could not be right. me. I'm like, yo, I gotta be in the back. I be, I gotta hit play on this one, David. I gotta be the guy i play. Got my, I got myself, be up got there my finger throwing the double play. fools and. St- yeah, you gotta do a full out routine after a long day. It felt like it's a fresh new. Okay. You guys didn't do the the routine. Like, yeah, it's the same guys have been out there spotting all day and doing all that all day. Yeah, crazy. So, yeah, shout out to the jam staff. And I will say this about the jam staff Uh, Bakel Battle, um, you know, we had Joy with us, little daughter, right? And she's, um, you know, she's going through warm ups with us and everything. And you guys have those big, huge teddy bears, like the big plush teddy bears, right? That you're giving away to, you know, in the crowd. And Joyce, in their backstage, like right before the team takes the floor. And Joy sees it and she's hugging it and loves it or whatever. And, you know, and we're like, hey, Joey, you got to go. Like, the team's about to perform. And she's crying and she's crying. And a jam staff member's like, hey, you can have it. Right. And gives Joey, you know, this big plush, you know, t- so we, we literally have that oh, bear great. in her room right now. So thank you, jams, for making my, my daughter's day. Right. But those, again, it's those little things that make, that make everyone go, hey, I, I have to come back. Um, to the event because it's not just about you know it's the bids it's about the kids right it's about the kids. so anyway um um and, and and you know for
1: sure so I, let's I was talk- say, and as oh, we ahead. move Go into ahead. like ne- this season you know next season you know it's it's finding that delicate balance of how can we you know reconstruct our events to make them more successful and make them you know better events like um, you know for a couple years we've had our D1 and D2 state championship. Um, You know, we, we, you know, we had some of our youth and school state championship in Bakersfield. Um, But uh, for the all-star industry, what we, what we're doing next season is, you know, creating our, you know, all-star D1 and D2 state championship, but we're doing it on December 17th, you know, at the Anaheim convention center and on a Saturday and, Mm -hmm. Obviously, you know, every first place team is getting state championship rings. And so we're trying to change up things to make things more exciting, but also make it economical. Like cheerleading doesn't have to be so ungodly expensive. You know, I, I think, you know, our focus has always been providing a great event, providing a great service, providing a great experience, but also... Doing it at an economical price that the customer, you know, relates to that the families can afford, but also having great prizes that, you know, we want to keep people excited about truly like I, you know, my mindset for that D1 D2 state championship that we're kind of changing up for 2023, actually it's going to happen in 2022 in December, um, was how can I create excitement about cheerleading before the Christmas break so that we don't lose that energy Mm -hmm. during the Christmas break. You know, we want the kids to have that time off and enjoy, but I want to create excitement before they go on that break. So that was kind of my concept with our our new D1, D2 state championship in Anaheim in December.
0: And and I'll say this about the, I think, did you guys call it the state championship? Uh, I'm oh, talking about the Challenge Cup. Yeah, so the SoCal, SoCal Challenge, Cup. Challenge Cup is you, is in April. Yep, yep. That is honestly, it's the best one day event there is. It's it's honestly the best because I think I feel like yep. the one day is kind of dead now, right? Um, we do the Bakel Battle, obviously, and obviously that's split D1, D2. We're usually yeah. only D1 program there, so you know it's us, and it's a great opportunity for us to take the stage to get judged in our hometown. I love the Bakel battle. Please do not take the Bakel (laughs) battle away. Um, (laughs) Thank you. The crowd goes wild. (laughs) The crowd goes wild, right? So, but, (laughs) but, uh, but in general, I kind of feel that that's kind of the norm, at least for a D1 program, is that you go to a one day, you're the only D1 program there. Maybe another one shows up and, and you're kind of in divisions by yourself. But the SoCal Challenge Cup—I'm not sure how the NorCal one is—but the SoCal Challenge Cup has got to be the best one-day event, definitely in California. For sure, I would say. (laughs) Dare I say the nation? But at least on you know this side of Texas, for sure, it's the best one-day event that there is. It's it's such a—I'm like so surprised at how good of an event that one day at the Bren Center is. So thank you, thank you again on that. And that was like I said, that was another one
1: of our you know, trying to find ways to keep, you know, keep the sport fun, you know, squish things up. Like, you know, everything doesn't have to be a two-day. Everything doesn't yeah. have to be $150, an athlete for registration. You know, we, we can do this yeah. in an economical way and keep the sport affordable. Like that should always be, you know, as an event producer, that's always going to sure. be my focus. How can I, Keep the sport fun, but how can I keep it affordable?
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. Speaking of affordable and affordability, um, I'm not sure if that's the best segue, but you've mentioned varsity or maybe NCA yeah. and other competitors. You guys have stayed strong. You guys have not sold. Tell me about not selling. Why you've chosen not to sell? I'm sure you've gotten yeah. some some decent offers out there because you guys are a a very good you, you, guys, you guys are a very attractive event. I could assume that offers have come in. I don't know. You don't need to tell me anything, but tell me why you've chosen not to sell and to stay, um, you know, yeah, that's a, You know, that's a great question. And I'm, I'm kind of glad you um brought
1: that up because people have asked us, you know, we have been approached over the years regarding selling. Um I think the reason we haven't sold is because, you know, we very much are like a family, and you know we don't want to break our family up. I think, you know, you know, I think our staff, I think our executive team, I think our partners, you know, we 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 live comfortable lives, um, and we don't need to live extravagant lives on the backs of you the athletes and you, the coaches and you, the owners, I don't need to, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to keep the sport fun. And I do think selling, you lose the power and control to make your event continuing to make it better. I mean, you know, I think varsity, you know, for example, is a great company, but it's also, you know, a billion dollar, you know, you know, business owned by private equity, you know, their bottom line tends to be the almighty dollar, you know, where our bottom line is not the almighty dollar, I think. Um, and that has been what we've been consistent. I I think if you look at the history of the acquisitions in our industry, um, whether it's, you know. No matter the brand that was acquired, that brand changed after it was acquired. Very few brands um, mm-hmm. that are be, have been acquired over the last, you know, five and you know, eight years or so have not changed, you know, significantly after they got acquired. Um, and a lot of that is due to business. It's due mm-hmm. to dollars and cents and balance sheets and everything else that is important. Um, and, and and we don't want to be changed at chance. I think we, we worked hard, um, to create our system. We worked hard to create our experience and, you know, I don't want to work for somebody else. I like working for myself and our business partners and, (laughs) and, you know, making the decision for myself based upon what my customers need, not based upon what someone in ivory tower Mm -hmm. wants. So, Jams is not selling. Jams is not going anywhere. We are here for good. I think, you know, a lot of people know we didn't do an event for a year and three months. We had no events for a year and three months. And I think for our company to come back this season, well, I think for our company to come back in May and do the pinnacle was literally amazing. You know, the pinnacle in 2021, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact that we were able to pull that off after not doing an event for a year and three months and make it, you know, one of the best in-person live events with a live audience and live spectators in May of 2021 with award ceremonies. We were doing that in May of 2021, let alone what we were doing in October of 2021 and throughout the rest of the season. Um, I, I think I think that showed the resilience of our company and our ability to, you know, you know, stand the test of time. Um, I I I think a lot of people asked us why didn't you do virtual events? You know, you know, you could have done virtual events. I am thankful for my, you know, um, event producers out there who did virtual events. You all needed a place, but I think in terms of who Jams was, we had to stay authentic to ourselves and authentic to Jams. And being authentic to Jams, Mm -hmm. meant our experience was a live in-person experience. And I was unwilling to give you a subpar experience that would have been virtual because I wanted the last image in my customer's head as they were going through the pandemic to be February of 2020 at that All-Star Nationals when, you know, literally for a lot of teams, it was the last, you know, live in-person event with fans that they had. Um, But I wanted that image to be there. I didn't want the image to be um, of a subpar virtual experience. And we're proud of it. I mean, you know, it was difficult. It was, you know, it it was a struggle, but, you know, uh, I think, the perseverance of jams through that pandemic and through us staying authentic to ourselves, you know, showed us that, you know, we're never selling, we're never going anywhere. We're going to be here a long time. So I'm hoping everyone gets used to seeing us and seeing me because I'm not going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm there not selling, you I'm not you heard selling. Let's talk cheer. Let's go If you hear, you. If go, you hear a rumor I'm of jams selling. selling and there have been, miss rumors about us selling over the last you know 10 12 years please know it's not true okay it's not true unless you hear it come from my mouth and you're never going to hear it come from my mouth
0: please know it's
1: not true
0: there we go let's go man all right so i have a i have an even harder question Uh for you david and you knew this question was coming up you know this question is coming up David, why don't we have clocks in the warm-up room? Come true, on, man. True. It's a valid
1: question. You know what? Jason, J- Jason, you asked about that, and we actually ordered some. We actually – I know, every time you see me.
0: Every time I see you. We ordered
1: some, and we <laughs> tested them out. And uh, the test of the clocks we ordered didn't go well or like we expected. And so we then were like, oh, let's send yeah. them back. Let's order a new – a new set and then i think between that time the pandemic happened <laughs> and then the pandemic happened and then we were all <laughs> for a year and a half and then the clocks never got reordered because we we're like well we don't have any income coming in so we yeah. can't afford no clocks <laughs> um so yeah um, right exactly we're still working on getting those clocks um i will say one of the things we do do is and you know is our staff is always you know having that stopwatch and they're walking teams from station to station you know you're never gonna feel alone at a jams event Mm -hmm. or not know where to go so but you are right yeah we need to get clocks in the warm-up room So,
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right here we go all right guys I will let you, well, when I do the recap of um of the challenge jams challenge cup. I will let everyone if know. I'll update everyone if, if we got those clocks in the warm up room because we're back there. You know, I'm not sure what time it is. I'm looking around. I'm trying to find someone. Like, hey, how much time we got? You know, they give me the signal two minutes. I'm like, is that two, two minutes two or is that like a minute and thirty or is that a, a, you know two minutes and thirty seconds? Yeah, right. And you know, time as a coach. Time always flies by fast. So, you know, you hear people arguing, oh, it hasn't been five minutes. Yeah, <laughs> You told me five minutes no, it's a minute a ago. No, no, no. Right? I, I, I hear so, you on that. I hear you. Anyway. All right. You know, I know you jam me up, bro. You know I had to jam you up on that. You know, he's like, he's gonna ask me about the stupid clocks. <laughs> so, all right, here we go. So here goes some random okay. questions, not about jams, just about David, the man. So, um, this super random. You're like, how random is that question? Uh, does pineapple belong yes. on pizza? Pineapple and ham.
1: I mean sweet and salty. Yes. Absolutely. It's there ba- we Very good. I mean I mean we're west coast. We're used to there the Hawaii go. lifestyle. Love we love some
0: pineapple. <laughs> True story. True yeah. story. There we go. I do love some pineapple. Alright. Uh you know what's funny? I'm not really a big fan mm. of Canadian bacon like Canadian bacon and the and the pineapple, but I do like oh, yeah. uh pepperoni and and pineapple. I haven't ordered it in a while, but I am a I am a fan. All right. So speaking of food, you are hosting a dinner party, and you get to invite five dinner guests, dead or alive, you know, either close friends or you know, people in history. Um, who who what five right, dinner. dinner guests are you inviting? Um I would invite
1: Martin Luther King. I think that would just be an interest, like, you know, just there we go. to learn about, you know, his experience, you know, you know, letter from the Birmingham jail, just, you know, to just be in his mind and, and you know, and, and listen to him, you know, I think would just be, you know, one of a kind. Um, uh, who, let's see. Um, who else would I invite? Beyonce? I mean, who doesn't want to go to dinner with Beyonce? Right? <laughs> Beyonce and MLK. Beyonce and MLK. Same right? dinner table. Let's Beyonce go. Beyonce MLK. I'm down. I'm down. Um, who, uh, gosh, who else would I invite? Um, Beyonce, MLK, um, let's see. Uh, I would invite my husband, so you know, because he has to enjoy, because he loves Beyonce too. So he'd have to be there. There we go. Um, you know, because he would not be. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. Kind it's of like have a, a pity invite. Like, like I guess he'd come. I'm coming to see Beyonce. <laughs> yeah, I'll um, be there. And Martin McVicar, right? Um, yeah. I think another um, uh, Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. I mean, think about. Yeah. You know, Apple in general and Steve Jobs, you know, and the transition and how they have, how he and Apple just changed our lives. Like, you know, from the 2005 to the Apple iPhone coming out to, you know, all of the technology that has happened because of, you know, the iPhone and those kind of things. I would love to just, you know, have a seat and kind of understand, you know, his marketing, his business. I mean, you know the way apple has been able to continue to evolve as a company and i think that's an important lesson for all mm-hmm. of us as business owners we you, you, you can't stay stagnant you have to evolve i think and, and you know and yeah that's why you know and here i'm kind of going to pivot a little bit but that's why i think it's important that our sport of cheerleading and all-star cheerleading continues to evolve and continues to change and grow. Basketball hasn't remained stagnant. You know, they've added a three-pointer in, you know, I think the ABA added it in 78, 79. ABA and NBA joined together. Part of that was the three-point. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't until you know the 90s before three-point shot was universal. You know, on the collegiate high school level, you know, women's basketball level, international. So, you know, part of that, you know, evolving of cheerleading, I think, needs to happen on how we view our sport. I think our sport needs to transition from a youth sport to a lifelong sport. You can be 40 years old and still go play on an adult baseball team. You can be, you can still play on a flag football team as an mm-hmm. adult. You didn't have to, you know, do that sport, you know, you know, at the highest level to still be involved in that sport while you're still an adult. It concerns me that yeah. cheerleading and all-star cheerleading in specifically does not have a path to the sport of all-star cheerleading being a lifelong sport. You know, if I'm 23. 24 25 yeah. and i'm just learning about all-star cheerleading you know how do i become involved in the sport where is there a place for me um right now there's not really a place i mean you know yeah. There, yeah there's a handful of open level four teams but you know if you can't tumble and you can't do a toss hands you know how how am i going to
0: yeah I said, but yeah, but level four is still level four. Like it's still, still, I mean, it's not worlds, but it's still level four to to join.
1: You know, and they're already doing this in Australia. They're already doing this in UK. Some of their largest divisions are there, you know, open level three, non-tumbling, open level two, non-tumbling, you know, things like that Mm -hmm. to create cheerleading as a lifelong sport. There is no difference from the sport of cheerleading And the sport of CrossFit. Cheerleading, you are lifting a weight, which is a human, Mm -hmm. in an athletic endeavor. CrossFit, you are lifting a weight, a physical weight, in an athletic endeavor. They're the same thing. Why can't our all-star gyms, you know, offer three times a week open practice for these, you know, open, you know, you know, or two times a week, open non-tumbling level three team or open non-tumbling, you know, finding a happy medium of how can I increase the adult participation? Obviously, we have to keep our athletes safe. So it should be truly 18 and up, like no like 14 year olds on this team, no 13 year olds on this team, literally an adult 18 and up team, because we've forgotten about the yeah. familial relationships of sports when the daughter is involved in the sport. But if you could also somehow connect the mom or the dad into the sport as well, you've gotten a lifelong customer. You know, it's not just about the kid. It becomes about the parent yeah. also staying healthy and active in an athletic activity. That is also
0: an athletic competitive endeavor. So, yeah, for sure. I and, mean, you know, one thing I miss, the thing I miss about it, obviously, uh, it keeps you in shape, but I just miss oh yeah, being in the gym, right? Having comrades, right? Messing around and just doing stupid stuff. Like I see the kids, which is why I don't get, I don't get as mad at the kids as I probably want mm-hmm. to, because I want to just have nice, solid focused practices. But I remember being an athlete on a team. Yeah. And just having fun at practice, right? Having fun with my buddies and messing around and joking around. And, you know, that was our time to do that and to, um, you know, bring that back. And adult, I just saw this on TikTok the other yeah. day. But it's really hard for adults to make friends. Like you have to do a lot more effort. And, you know, bring it in, having that common place where we're going to come cheer for a couple days a week. Yeah. But, at my but age, you, you know, maybe I have more see- friends. But I got so to to my podcast. <laughs> you see, hey, you like see you
1: kind of that adult friendship relationship that you can get from CrossFit. Why can't we have that right in a cheerleading gym? Like there's no limit. Mm -hmm, Yeah, for sure. Your gym is already there, okay? You have the ability to add practices and everything else. So I want to transition a lot of our all-star gyms into the new market of adult sports and a lifelong sport of cheerleading. How can we make it a a lifelong sport? Look, then that's why I say, you know, the gymnastics aspect in the sport of cheerleading isn't unique to cheerleading. Okay. It happens in gymnastics every day, right? The tumbling Mm -hmm. aspect. Stunting, basket tosses, pyramids, that is unique to the sport of cheerleading. So in terms of if we're looking at an adult sporting, you know, apparatus, you know, we need to focus on stunting, t- stunting, pyramiding, basket tosses, because that's unique to our sport. And we also know the human body loses the ability to be yeah. flexible and learn tumbling after a certain age. So no one wants to teach a twenty, a 30-year-old man how to do a backhand handspring. okay? Like, we know that. Yeah, I, I ain't spotting them. Okay. Lord of mercy. No. Not me. me. So like let's just <laughs> take out the tumbling yeah, aspect me. to adult cheerleading. Keep the non keep the non tumbling and building aspects of cheerleading and create a lifelong sport that is truly representative of aspects of cheerleading that are unique to the sport of all star cheerleading. So let's make it happen. There we go. Steve Jobs.
0: Let's make it happen. I'm Thank the I'm you, Steve Jobs. Hey, if
1: I could be the Steve Jobs of cheerleading, <laughs> I would. Steve Jobs.
0: <laughs> get my turtleneck. There we nice go. Yeah, you, you got get your turtleneck? Let's go. All right, you got <laughs> do you, you, have you, oh. you, have, so have, you have any more guests? Or so we cap it at four. Yeah. So we have do you have any more guests? we have Beyonce, we have your husband, One we have M L K, we have Steve Jobs. Um so we
1: have more. I I
0: mean, I, who doesn't want Obama?
1: Actually, I would love. I would love. No, no, there no. go. I would love. I will Let's tell you to this. Take Obama out. Now, I would love mind. to have Obama <laughs> and G.W. Bush, George W. Bush. Like, I would love to have Bush and Obama in a room with M.L.K. and Beyonce, and just see where the conversation went. You know, see where the conversation went. I, you know, I, I, I yeah. have a ton of respect um, for um, both of those individuals, um, uh, Bush and Obama. Um, uh, Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, no president is perfect. Um, uh, No leader of any world is perfect, but I I do think that they as individuals care deeply about our country. Um, And I think I would just love to understand their experience um, leading our country, making those tough decisions, making those decisions that are at times life or death decisions, you know, that are not easy. I mean, um, so, um, they would be my like next, my, my next guest I would add.
0: There we go. So we got Obama, we got W. We got Beyonce, we got your husband, we got MLK. That's a, that's a good dinner list. All right, I'll, that's a good one. All right, here we go. All right, here's here's a great question for you. Have you ever watched a movie and were like surprised, you know, found yourself crying in it that you didn't expect? Or were you surprised oh that you were crying in a movie? Um,
1: not often, actually. I, I don't generally cry at movies. I will say this, and I don't know if this has been the case for you. I do have a tendency to tear up at some movies more now as a 44-year-old man than I did when I was in my 20s and 30s. Mm-hmm. I don't know if having a kid or whatever <laughs> makes makes yeah. makes you a little soft there. <laughs> but uh <laughs> uh I do have a tendency um right. more to do that now than when I did in my past. Um I I I think uh I'm trying to think of a movie um there was the one movie caught was it, the Lonely Hearts Club. I think that was kind of an emotional experience movie for me um, as a young man that 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 I found emotionally moving. Um, uh, yeah, so there, there's a couple of movies out there that yeah. you know, I'm, Lonely Hearts Club is the one I'm, I'm thinking of off the top of my head. But there's a handful of movies that kind of move me. You you know what I I will say this. You know, I I was late to watching the whole cheer, you know, Netflix special. Um, but um I did I did Netflix. finally watch mm-hmm. both seasons and everything and there were moments when I was thinking about you know, you know my experience on the band shell. You know, my experience with my team at NC State and mm-hmm. the people, the moments that I had. That that moved me you know, it it moved me because, and you know, you've cheered at Stephen F. Austin. You know how it feels to you know yeah. be on that band shell and and everything, and and you know, fighting as a team and working together and practices and trying to do it for your university, for yourself, for your for your history. Um, it it, it kind of moves you. It it kind of moves you for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So, real quick, Dave, have, have you ever seen, seen Aquila and the, and the bee?
1: bee?
0: I need to watch it. It's a good movie. So, this is—I <laughs> came up with this question and thought of Aquila and the Bee. So, if you haven't seen Aquila and the Bee, uh, it's about this little black girl, right? Lives in the hood, and she wants she she wins her spelling bee, her her local school's spelling uh-huh. bee. So she goes on to, like, district and regionals and nationals. It's about her. You know, she wants to win, you know, nationals. And it's a cute movie, right? And um, I've watched it probably three times. Really? And I cry every time at the final scene. Now, it's... It's the joy. Uh, you know, spoiler alert, she wins the spelling bee. Right? But she goes through this... It's the... She gets to that last word, and there's a point where she's not talking to her coach. And so she needs... She's um, her and her coaching an argument, so yeah. she needs all the community to kind of su- support her in learning how you know learning all these difficult words right And so you know it's like her mom and her you know her brother and you know her neighbor and her aunt and you know all these uh-huh. people in the community right like the local drug dealers like helping her out right And but everyone is you know has helped support her so she can learn these words and she gets to the last word and she goes to spell it. And she closes her eyes oh, and yeah. each of those characters that helped her out spell the word for her, right? And it's like in, yeah. it's like one letter at a time, you know, B, A, C, K, whatever, I don't know, right? And during that part I like <laughs> tears every time. I'm like, "Man, what is going on? Aquila in the Bee gets me every time." Such a good movie. So, um that's my surprising movie that gets me. Like, yeah. it, you know, the that's first cool. time I'm watching it, I'm thinking nothing's going to happen surely. Right? I'm just watching the movie. Yeah. Oh, it's a cool movie or whatever. Right? Hey, you I'm know, so you, know time, you know another one? You know another one that I cry at?
1: That happens up? I mean, it's been a while since I All watched. All right, it. here we like, go. Rudy. At the very end I mean, first thing Sean Aston is a great Sean Akk is go. a great actor. Yeah. I mean, people I mean Let's he's a up. great actor. I have enjoyed him as an actor for years. But yeah at the end, when he runs out on that field and that crowd and they lift him up, it gets me every time.
0: <laughs> it's a classic. Yeah. It's a classic, right? It's a classic movie. And when you watch it, you're like, man, this is a good movie. Like, it's kind of yeah. like, oh, yeah. For sure. It's a good movie. I not go back and watch that. It's a, it's a movie that the kids need to watch and be like, yo, this is it might seem cliche, but this is like what it's about right here. You're like not 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 giving up, you know, working hard towards your dreams, mm-hmm. you know, staying focused. So so David, here's my question for you. What dream oh, have you given up on uh, that you wish you hadn't?
1: You know, I I I, I want it to work internationally for a while. Um I I wanted to, you know. I I wanted to have that experience living in a foreign country, working in a foreign country, learning a different culture. Um, You know, I've supplemented that, you know, throughout my life by traveling a lot and traveling to a lot of international countries and spending time doing that. Um, But that would be something that I would say, you know, I I definitely gave up um, um, and kind of wish I would have had that experience. You know, now I'm much too old to do that. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> Benjamin Button, right? I can, I can still do it. Never too old. Um, Benjamin Button. But now, part of that experience for me is traveling, going to visit, you know, different countries. Um, I used to be one of those people who only wanted to stay in a place in a country for, you know, three, four nights. Like, I would get cabin fever. I'm like, I got to move to the next country. Got to move to the next location. Got to move to the mm-hmm. next spot. But, you know, as I've, you know, as I've learned, yeah. there's something joyful about, you know, going to go visit a foreign country or, you know, a different location and literally staying for, you know, a week or two and becoming part of the culture and, you know, be a part of the, um, the everyday lives and kind of having yeah. that moment for two weeks um, is something I've been able to supplement with that I think other people should experience. As well is, you know, literally going to a place you've always wanted to go and not just going there for three or four nights, but going there for like two weeks, just living as, you know, going to Berlin and living as a Berliner, going to Milan and living, living as someone who lives in Milan or, you know, um, yeah. going to London and living as a Londoner, you know, I think is yeah. something everyone should experience.
0: Went yeah. wrong. When in Rome, there we go. There we go. All right, David. I, I got a couple more questions, but I want to take up all your time. You're a busy man. You got things to do. So we're going to get into these final three questions. All right, here we go. So what's something that needs to stop, change, or um, start? start in, something that needs to start, uh, start, stop, start and change is, in the industry? You know,
1: we, we gotta we got to start focusing on the experience. We got to start as coaches, athletes, parents. We gotta refocus yep. that we want to be about the experience. That yes, bids and all these other things are important, but the experience and the kids are why we do this sport. It's why we're here, um, and it can't be always about the win. It's got to be about the journey to get to that experience. Because you know, you may forget, you know, the placement you got at jams nationals or whatever competition you're at but if you make that experience special and memorable they'll never forget that they'll never forget that experience so um um i think that's what needs to start um For sure. what needs to stop is you know we need to, we need to stop the ugliness in our sport and by the ugliness i mean um you know, a lot of times I'm saddened to see individuals attacking each other, you know, on the social media boards, you know, based upon someone having an opinion. Dude, everyone's got an opinion, okay? Every Tom, Dick, and Harry has an opinion. That's okay. We live in America. Let that person have that opinion. Let them express it. Show them respect. Show them dignity. Show them that they understand, but I may disagree, but that's okay. That's what makes our industry great. You know, not everybody's gonna agree. But hearing an individual, listening to them, and understanding their position is where we want to get to. You know, that what that's what makes our industry great. That's what's made our industry grow. So, you know, you know, stop the ugliness, stop the hate, stop the backbiting. And start loving. You know, my family motto that we have in our household is leading with love and kindness. And I continue to focus on that every day. How do I lead with love and kindness? How do I show kindness to my fellow man? How do I show love and kindness to each individual that I interact with every day? Because to me, um, that's that's what we're put on this earth for, is for love and kindness. And so, you know, I'm gonna get off my pulpit right quick. <laughs> now, I, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not gonna break out to my, you know, Southern Baptist uh, <laughs> uh, minister sermon, but uh, uh um, in in, I would say change is, right. you know, I kind of go back to the, um, uh, we gotta change and make truly a lifelong sport. We gotta find ways to have that, you know, that senior level one athlete like do we want when she's 18 years old do we want her leaving the sport or do we possibly want her staying in the sport if there's not a place for her to go
0: yeah she yeah. She, she loves it so she's let's, die let's hard you place. know she's a hard worker you she loves coaching to keep her.
1: Going. like that and she wants to keep going a yeah place and we as an industry need to stop trying to create you know, additional international divisions that people don't enter, and find a way to create additional adult sporting and cheers as a sport opportunities for our athletes to remain in the sport after they're 18 years of old, and not just only rely on our level six and seven, because that's, that's the tiny, tiny part of our industry is level six and sevens, you know? Mm-hmm. yeah
0: for sure it definitely is all right here we go so what is you might have already said one but we're ask you again anyway what is a a myth um, or rumor sure. I think or a narrative you, you want to debunk
1: um one of the myths I want to debunk um, you know in particular about jams is that we're somehow you know subpar or not as professional, that our event is not as exciting as other events, you know, that may be out there. Um, I think um, as we as jams learn mm-hmm. um, uh, every year about our events, um, as we have, you know, going through the pandemic, we are much more focused on, you know, not having events everywhere. I can't be the event producer for every location in every part of the country, um, but you know what I do want to do is create and continue to grow and create my Vegas experience for my customers. Um, um, you know, when people come to NCA, um, they don't think about NCA other than Dallas. When people think about cheer sport, they don't think about cheer sport other than Atlanta. When think about when people think about You know, Jamfest Super, they think about indie. When they come to Jams and when they think about Vegas, I want them to think about Jams. Um, You know, so, you know, I think, you know, we as a company have definitely refocused and ourselves and our industry about, hey, we have a great event in Vegas. If you want that Jams experience, if you want that big red chair, if you want that 10,000 seat arena, if you want the oranges, if you want the coaches happy hour, if you want, um, uh, uh, you know, all of the great things that we try to provide for you at Jams. If you want that score review where, you know, you know, you're actually getting to sit down with our score review staff and discuss your scores. You're not being told, I'm sorry, you're within range. I can't talk to you. You're being told. No matter what you want to talk about, let's sit down and have a conversation. If you want that come to Vegas, come to Vegas, February 17th through 18th for D2 in 2023 yeah. and February 19th through 20th, um, for our D1 and our world teams in 2023, we love to have you. Um, um and so I guess that'd be the biggest, you know, myth I would debunk is, go. is, you know, that jams is. In any way, subpar to the other event producers out there. We hold our own, and we're going to continue to hold our own.
0: Yeah. You. There we go. Like I said, you guys are doing a fantastic you're year. job. You're not leaving. Um, you're, not, right. not, you're not. You're not, you're you're not leaving not. us for anybody. No doubt. Right. Except for that one year, but we back. Yeah. Because, <laughs> because you know, it's funny. You said, um, you said this because we didn't go to nationals and we came to the one day at the end of the year and i said hey we'll be at nationals again next year and you said you know sometimes you got to you got to leave to find out what you, you, you don't know what you got till it's gone right and so i was like hey our parents wanted to try something else different the grass wasn't greener and here we are we're back and um so again just a testament to what you guys are doing um i out live there in Boy the Modesto. so where do you live
1: Way from the madness, way from the madness. So, Boise, you know, yeah, Idaho. Idaho Cheers, way my hometown, <laughs> you know, local all-star gym that's in the Boise area. Um, um, Impact is also uh, down a ways as well, but um, yeah. yeah, so um, we moved to Boise about, um, uh, uh, oh, about a year ago, about a year ago, you know, while the pandemic was still going on, we were, you know we have a son here, um, nine years old, who's amazing. And it was our focus to want to be, you know, spend more time with him. And so we packed up everything, moved to Boise. Everyone knows that, you know, I spent 14 years in San Francisco. Um, um, I love San Francisco. It's it's always going to be kind of my, you know, forever home in a way. Um, uh, you know, I have great experiences. Um, you know, I, I, I had the pleasure of working for, you know, Kamala Harris, the Vice President of the United States, um, for, you know, six months, eight months, during a fellowship, um, an experience I would, you know, never have gotten. Um, I, you know, have gotten to meet so many people um, in various industries and in tech and and all of that. So. San Francisco is always going to be a gem. It's changed a lot. <laughs> Maybe not for the better, <laughs> but, you know, I'm happy in
0: Boise. I will say that. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right, David, final question. We've been talking jams this whole time. Maybe people want to get in contact with the brand. Maybe they want to reach yep. out. Um, Sure. Come um, to an event. Can definitely stay connected How can with Jams. We have our stay Instagram. Stay connected with Jams.
1: Um, Jams Cheer and Dance um, is our handle on Instagram. On Twitter, we're at Jams Cheer. Um, so you can definitely find us on Twitter there. Um, we're also on Facebook. We have our Facebook pages as well. We love um, interacting. Our social media team loves interacting with our, our customers, our athletes, our coaches, um, you can also email me at David at jams. Um, I'm always happy to have a conversation about our events. Um, and um, I mean, and that's where you can find us. So Instagram, Twitter, um, we have a Snapchat. We have, you know, um, all the social media handles. Um, I have a great social media team that, that <laughs> literally leads the way um, for us and our brand. Um, but, you know, that's where you can find us. But more importantly, You know where you can find us at? In Vegas on President's Day weekend in 2023, 2024, 2025. (laughs) We're the same weekend every year. D2 goes first, Friday, Saturday. D1 goes Sunday, Monday. That's it. Game over.
0: (laughs) There we go. Jams Nationals, let's go! It's great. It's a great event, especially you get to see different teams. What, what I really like about jams, we get to see teams that we don't typically see. You know, we do the West Coast Circuit, and we see the same teams yeah. every week. But what's good about jams? Jams attracts a lot of teams from a lot of different states. So we see teams from Maryland, like you said, Idaho. Yeah. Um, you know, where all you know all these different places. I can't name everyone else off my head, but we see we see teams that we don't typically see at our typical West Coast events. So if you want to come out to the West Coast, come out to jams. If you're from the West Coast, obviously, you know, they were going to see teams from the East Coast. So anyway, David, you are welcome back anytime. Best of luck the rest of this season. And, um, you know, I'll see you at the the Challenge Cup.
1: Remember, that is April 3rd. Registration is still opening. If people want to still go to the Challenge Cup, there is still room. Remember, all first place teams get rings. And, you know, we give you the rings on site. We're not shipping it to you. We're not, you know, we're not doing any of that stuff. We literally fit you for that room ring on site. You take it home that night. You go to school the next morning and you show it off as your first place team. So I love that event. There
0: you go. It's one of my Y'all favorite. Events still rock those rings for sure. Best, best one day in the industry. <laughs> yes, Thank you. <laughs> yes. Again, huge shout out to David Sims and the whole jam's crew. Thank you for coming on the show, and I'll see you guys in April. And maybe some of you listeners I'll see in Vegas next year. But until next time, guys, five, six, seven, eight, we're out. Hey, guys, I really hope you enjoyed today's show. Do me a quick favor. Hit that subscribe button and let your friends know about this podcast. It's a great way for you to show your support for the channel. I'm your host, Jason Larkins, and you've reached the end of Let's Talk Cheer with Jason. Thanks for listening.